Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and the more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again. Thank you, Lord, for a a time to just be refreshed. Lord, is your body of believers waiting, as we will see tonight, in expectation of your coming. Lord, as we see the world falling into place, Lord, we pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for wisdom, Lord, there. And we just ask your hand upon our hearts and those serving in children's ministry and youth ministry. Bless those, Lord, who can't be with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last couple of Wednesdays, I know we've kind of talked about this, a little bit of Hebrews fatigue in the beginning of it, learning about the high priest, why Jesus is greater because of his role. And we continue to see that he is better. The writer wants us to know that. And again, kind of hard for us as Gentiles to kind of grasp our, 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 you know, get our heads around this topic. But remember, he is writing to people who came out of Judaism and want to go back to that. And so that, just a refresher on that. And as we will see tonight, uh, Jesus gives us a better testament. And as, as we'll see, it's a covenant. Um, three different in, interchangeable words in the Old Testament. Covenant right? Testament and will. They're the same word uh, in the Old Testament. So as we look at this word testament, and we're going to see will, think about this. Think about a last will and testament, and maybe you've been through that, (laughs) and some of your family members fought over what they thought they deserved, right? No one's ever gone through that before. And we're going to see that there was a covenant made with Moses of something future. But what the writer says is that there is a better promise and a better covenant. And so we start out in verse 11, but Christ. I don't. Every time we read just that phrase, but Christ, throughout all the Bible, it brings a smile. Because no matter what, even Old Testament, no matter what today, at the end of the day, but Christ. So it solves all problems, doesn't it? Only if we trust in God. Only if we believe in that. So, but Christ came as the high priest, notice, of the good things to come, which the greater and the more perfect tabernacle. Now remember, we are not at 70 AD. The temple is still there. Sacrifices are still going on. And so you can imagine the writer writing to them and say, look, You know, we're sitting on this side of the hill. You can see the temple. You can see the sacrifices. You can see the priests doing their duties. But there is something greater and there is something better than that. And that better is not only Jesus, but the better tabernacle or the better dwelling place. Notice, not made with hands. As we know, the writer has told us, it's in the heavenlies. And as we will see, it is a pattern Uh, What was on earth was a pattern of heaven. Notice that is not of this creation. The idea is it's not created. The pattern of God, whatever that is, and, and let me, your mind might hurt a little bit because Jesus tonight is gonna have a conversation with the Father. Very rarely do we even see these type of scriptures in the Bible. 
this pulling back of the veil and seeing a conversation. But here's the mind blower. Before even this world and before the universe was, there was something, a dwelling place of God, which has always existed. I'll let that sit in for a minute. What does that even mean? We are bound by time. Doesn't that stink? We're bound by this body, this tent that fades away time. They're outside of time. And so when they're having conversations, they're outside of time, and they can talk about things that are already completed. Notice, not of creation. What does that even look like? What does that even sound like? I don't even know if we will ever know that. And yet the writer does his best to tell us and to explain it. Man, the best he can. It's like John trying to describe a missile. He's doing the best that he can. Notice he says in verse 12, not with the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but with his own blood, he has entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Remember, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and only that once a year to make atonement, not for only for himself, but for the entire nation. And so the writer says, listen, it is his own blood and that he has entered the most holy place once and for all. I want you to note that phrase, once and for all. It's going to keep coming up tonight. That he died once and for all. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, right? And it's done to tell us die. There is no more continual sacrifices, no matter what some group of people might say. He says, please note these verses. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying it for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, there's that mind blower again, outside of time, offered himself without spot to God. And notice what that does. It cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, let's look at one thing. To to get rid of your dead works. What did he just say? Your self-righteousness. You're trying to work yourself to God. Would we not agree that every religion out there has some form of you gotta work this out. You gotta do it yourself. You got to go on the mission field for two years. You got to knock on doors. You've got to, you know, crawl on your knees like in Hinduism and go a thousand miles to a temple to offer whatever. Or in the Middle East, you got to slap yourself on top of the head with a sword until you're bleeding. This is the real stuff that's out there. Aren't you glad that the hardest thing is just coming to Calvary Chapel <laughs> on a Wednesday? Isn't that great? Listen. I don't think most Christians in the U.S. of A. have any idea of what other religions are like because it's just not taught. Listen, I encourage you, if you've never read Kingdom of the Cults, we have that. It's a great, thick, old book. Read it sitting up. (laughs) Not after a big pizza. But it's good information. It's been updated, 
and you work your way through, and you will be amazed at what people are trying to do to get themselves to a place of heaven or to a place of eternity. And all we have to do is say yes to Jesus. Surrender our life, and there's a lot to that as we're seeing through the book of Revelation. Oh, yes, there's a cost to it. He continues, and he says, and for this reason, he, Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. That's a long verse. What did that just mean? It just means that those who died in the Old Testament who went to Abraham's bosom, the good side, not the bad side, that they were offered eternal salvation through Jesus' blood as well. I love that. You're going to see David and Jeremiah. You're going to see Noah. You're going to see Adam. Because when they died, they went to Abraham's bosom. And Jesus preached to them and brought them out. And so for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. Again, there's this this death and this blood that we're going to see over and over because that is the picture that the Jews know. They know what their Old Testament says. And so here he gets into the last will and testament. He says, where there is a testament or a will or a covenant, they're all interchangeable, there must also be the necessity of the death of the tester. That means, listen, do you get your portion of the last will and testament if someone is still alive? No. This is a shocker, as we'll see tonight. You have to die in order to get your portion of the will. No, don't get any ideas. (laughs) And he says, okay, well, then something has to die. For a testament or a will or a covenant is in force after men are dead. And since it has no power at all while they live, therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats And with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, do you see all the the pictures as we'll see tonight? The volume of the book speaks of Jesus. And he sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. By the way, again, another reason why you're happy uh, to be a New Testament believer and not coming in and me sprinkling you with blood. How about when you come in, I hit hit your Bible and you. That's what happened. The high priest would do that when he would come out of the Holy of Holies. Notice, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. And then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and then all of the vessels of ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission. And the idea of sin. We say that all the time, especially when we do communion. There is no remission of of sin without the shedding of blood. They knew that. Therefore, it was necessary that the copy of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. 
but the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. Again, this is where that fatigue comes in. It's just like verse after verse after verse. These are things that they would know. They would know exactly what this means. They know exactly what it's like to go inside of the temple, put their hand on the animal, and the high priest cut the throat of the animal, having that blood spilt for their sin. This is, listen, the, the picture of that is that sin is bloody and it costs an innocent life. And that picture from the Old Testament gets translated to the New Testament where Jesus, who is innocent, without spot, without blemish, is now the payment for our sin. Isn't that good news? Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands. That means he didn't go into the temple in Jerusalem. Notice, which are copies of the true, but in the heaven itself. Think about that. They still can see that temple. And what he's trying to say is, listen, guys, this is all a copy of the greater that is in heaven. So why are you going back to the temple that will not do anything for you? We're going to see that tonight. Again, he keeps hammering this idea. If blood, if the blood of bulls and goats could could save anybody, why did Jesus need to come? If, if the Aaronic priesthood was so good, why did another high priest have to come? If the old covenant was good, why was there a new covenant? And on and on it goes. He just keeps hammering them. I don't know about you, but I feel like these people at the end are like, uh, Paul, we give up. They're like the total uncle thing. They, he has beaten them so down with the idea that there is Jesus is better that they're like, okay, we give up. We're not going back. And listen, I, I don't mind doing that to anybody who thinks it's a good idea to go back into religion, into religiousness. That's a word. <laughs> For Christ has not entered into the holy place made without hands, which are a copy of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. Notice, for us, not against us, he is the best lawyer of all time. And who is coming against us? The enemy. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. And don't you want to have Jesus as your lawyer or you can have yourself as a lawyer? You choose. Now, sorry, verse 25. Not that he should offer himself often as a high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. The idea is he doesn't have to keep going in there. He doesn't have to keep offering himself as a sacrifice every time we sin. Aren't we glad? That his payment upon the cross, and however that works out in your head, <laughs> praise the Lord but you've got to come to the term that he paid for everybody's sin, your sin, right now, 2021, and what you're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day, it's all been paid for by the blood of the Lamb. That is really good news. We should end with that. <laughs> but no, we want to kill everybody today. So I'm sorry, we won't. We'll get to the dying. <laughs> Not that he himself offered often, 
as the high priest enters the most holy place once a year, but the blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the age, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The writer says, if Jesus was operating like the Aaronic priesthood, he would have to die all of the time. But he doesn't. Notice, from the foundation of the world, again, that's outside of time, whatever the conversation is, whatever they had before this world was created, and just for a moment, they had a conversation, the Trinity, knowing that they were going to make everything. Are you ready? Knowing that they were going to create Lucifer, knowing that he was going to fall, knowing that they were going to create the planet, create the universe, knowing they were going to put Adam into this garden, knowing the Eve, knowing the tree, knowing the serpent, knowing all of that. And before all of that even happened, the conversation was, I'm going to die for them. And you might, well, there's nobody here. How can you die for somebody that isn't even created? That's what the writer is trying to say. Before the foundation of the world, it was settled what was going to happen. Now, you might say, well, why did they do that then? That seems like a pretty dumb plan. Now, don't go down, down that path calling God's plans dumb. The great thing is you're not God. I'm pretty excited about that. N- neither am I. And his plan is perfect because he needed us to love him, not be robots. It is a choice. And the word choice is one of the most amazing words that God ever gave us as human beings. You have the choice right now to accept him, go back into religion that won't save you, or go forward with a walk with Jesus Christ. And he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So, uh, listen here, uh, A-team, on Wednesday night. What does that tell me in verse 26? And it's just for the, the end of it, the end of that verse. He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What it tells me is there's only one way to heaven, and that only one way is through Jesus. Yeah. Do you see that? But we keep hearing in our world that there are many ways to go. If that was the case, why did Jesus have to die? Why was he the sacrifice? If there were alternative plans, if Jesus at the garden said, Father, if there be any other way, and it's, give me a little license for a minute. Lord, don't strike me down. It's like the Holy Spirit and the Father are talking, don't tell him there are other ways. That's the only way, Jesus. Keep it quiet. It'll be great. Wait till he dies and comes up here and finds out there was another way. Woo, is he going to be mad? That's not what happened. Do you see that? I mean, is, is the father that cruel to his son? Oh, yeah, there's another way. <laughs> it's called Islam. It's called this. It's called that. We chose it in one way. And it says it right here. It's very easy to overlook, isn't it? Circle it, highlight it. 
He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Why would he go through that if you could get yourself to heaven on another train? Sometimes it's just logic, isn't it? That's just logically. I love how the Bible is a Bible of reason. I love that we serve that God. He goes, listen, I will let your little 3% of the brain work a while on this. I'll wait. Let you reason it out and let you come do it. <laughs> he says in verse 27 and throws this in, by the way, uh, it's just wonderful. And it's appointed for men to die how many times? Once. But after this, the judgment. So this is everybody has an appointment. Let's say there's a giant screen up in heaven and it has your name on there. It will either say a date or it says rapture. That's it. Isn't that exciting? It either says your due date of coming home, whatever that might be, or it says rapture. Man, isn't that great? Everybody has an appointment. Everybody. And for the believer, that's good to know because the second part of that verse doesn't apply to us because judgment has already happened upon the cross. This verse is sad to those who don't know Jesus. You will pay. You either pay here or you're going to pay there, right? It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, there, there's only two guys that have never died. Now, you get a, a mint if you got it. Two guys, both in the Old Testament, Enoch and Elijah. Both got a ride, didn't they? Enoch had said, it says that Enoch was walking with God and then he was not. Where'd he go? Did he go home and tell the kids? The wife? Nope, just gone. <laughs> like, where's dad? <laughs> He's gone. Elijah, whirlwind. Pretty cool, huh? Do they have a role to play coming up in the tribulation period? I don't know. That might be interesting. Could be. Elijah, probably, I'm not sure about Enoch. A lot of people want to say it's Moses. Who, who knows? All I know is this verse says that everybody who has ever been on planet Earth has an appointment with death. And then afterwards, the judgment. So Christ was offered, listen, <laughs> circle this, you religious people, once to bear the sins of many. Just once. Not every time you have communion is Christ offered up. Only once. 30, 32 AD on a cross at Calvary. To those, notice, who eagerly wait for him, and he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He's coming. Notice it says to those who eagerly wait. That's us. We are eagerly waiting for our Messiah. It's like God knew that 2020 was happening. Man, that'll make you eagerly await for his coming, won't you? Chapter 10. I know you're all excited. We're getting closer to chapter 11. The heroes of faith. 
Hebrews 10 verse 1, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the thing, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach what? Perfect. I don't know how you could say it any clearer to somebody who is religious. You cannot go through these motions which were set up as a pattern and a shadow and expect that that shadow or pattern is going to save you. It cannot save you. He says, notice, you're doing it continually, year by year, and you make those who approach perfect. He goes, it cannot happen. It's only by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 2, for then, (laughs) would they not have ceased to be offered? Don't you love the writer? He just poses the question, well, if that was the case, if the case was it would make you perfect, why do we keep sacrificing lambs? Why are you looking at smoke coming out of the temple? If it could make you perfect, if it can make you right with God. Notice, for then, would they not have ceased? For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more conscience of sin. It would be done away with. Why are we doing that? What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result? But in those sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins every year. When, when they do the sacrifice every year for Yom Kippur, and the high priest does that, it is a reminder that our nation is sinful and that we are sinful people. When we have communion, cup, bread, oh, I'm a sinner. For the high priest and the nation, oh, we're sinful people. Because he has to do that every year, every single year, every single year. But when we look at the bread and when we look at the cup, we go, to tell us die. It's finished. And now we're only remembering what Jesus did for us. But in those sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins every year. For if it, I'm sorry, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Please. I mean, he just keeps nailing it. Over and over. He goes, there is no way that this could happen. What? The blood of bulls and goats could take away the sins. And then here we have in verse 5 through 8, here is our conversation in the Trinity. Please, Please notice this. It's beautiful. Easily overlooked in the Bible. Churches never go through the book of Hebrews, and yet they miss a conversation between the Trinity. Therefore, verse 5, when he, that's Jesus, came into the world, he said, this is Jesus speaking, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Jesus is speaking to the Father and he says, listen, you've prepared a body for me so that I can go and be that lamb to take away the sins of the world. He says, notice that sacrifice and offering, that's not what God wants. You ever hear that we uh, are a part of a bloody religion? 
Like the Old Testament's bloody. It's violent. I mean, all that blood and goats and killing and the heifers and the thousands and thousands that Solomon and David killed. I mean, those people would not be invited to a PETA conference. You got that? You get that on the way home. And they look at it and say, it's a bloody religion. It's not that it's a bloody religion. Sin is violent. And sin needs to be atoned for. And this point, I love that Jesus says this to the Father, that this is not what you desire. God does not want us sacrificing animals. It was set up in the beginning to point to the ultimate sacrifice of, notice, his body. It was a picture and it was a type. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Listen to this. God created the animals. He created man. He, he doesn't take pleasure in the fact that he's like, well, that's awesome. They killed like 600,000 that day. He doesn't take pleasure in any of that. The Bible says he doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked either. God doesn't, isn't up there excited that people are walking into hell. He's like, woohoo, got another one down there. That's not what it is. And then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do your will, O God. So in verse 5, we have Jesus speaking. In verse 6, we have the Father speaking. And in verse 7, we come back to Jesus. And then I said, Behold, I have come. Notice, in the volume of the book, the whole Bible. Notice it is written of me, and notice this phrase of Jesus, to do the will of the Father, do the will of God. Previously saying, he goes back just to reiterate, he says, sacrifice and offering, burn offering, and offerings for sin you do not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. So that's what the law said, and that's what they were doing. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first that he may establish the second. Jesus comes in and now there is no more temple. There is no more sacrifice. He did it once and for all. And now they have a new covenant. Something is different. Again, uh, I'm pretty excited about communion versus always on Sunday going out there and lining everybody up behind a calf. And so, he does this, he takes away, verse 9, the first that he may establish the second. And by that will he have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Here it is again, once and for all. Once and for all, just once. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, listen, which can never take away sins. Listen, kofar in the Old Testament, that's the word. So if my hand is here, I know we, we've used this ex example before, but if my hand is here and I put my Bible over my hand, is my hand still there? Yes. This is what the Old Testament is, kofar, to cover, but it's still there. 
Now in the New Testament, we don't have Kofar. We have Jesus wiping it away completely. So now the sin that was once covered is now completely gone. And what does it say? That he remembers it no more. It's for as the east is to the west. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So no longer covering, it's gone. Think about this. If you could ask God, Lord, I'm sorry about that sin, and he goes, what sin? Isn't that amazing? God chooses not to remember that. How does he do that? Don't know. I have no idea. He chooses not to. That doesn't mean that we have license to sin. Don't go down that path. I'll take you back to Romans. I will. (laughs) Paul said, don't do that. We don't have license to do that. We need to confess our sins because he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John. So you can't go down that path and say, well, it's a perfect lamb. He's taken away everything. That is no license to sin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 11. Is that where I am at? Thank you. And every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. I feel really bad for those inside of the church who are going back to the old system. And there is a lot of them going back, doing the rituals, doing the feasts, thinking that they're right with God because they're keeping X, Y, and Z. By the way, always tell them there's over 600 of them and they'll never be able to complete all of those 600 laws. And yet it says right here in verse 11, it can never take away sins. Here it is, verse 12. Listen to this phrase by the Holy Spirit. It's one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible. I know I say that all the time. But this man. Jeremy Camp did a song about that. This man who takes away our sins. Listen to the phrase, but this man, this Jesus, who we know the Father prepared a body for him before the foundations of the world. But this man, after he had offered how many sacrifices? One sacrifice for seven, for sinning, for cinnamon, no for sins, and for sacrifices. Notice, forever. One time on the cross, and it's all done. I, I, I love that. I'm sure, I'm sure Jesus loves that too. This is one time, Dad. We're not going down there again. Did you see what they did the first time when I went down? And notice what this phrase is. Again, we, we mentioned this last, last week sat down at the right hand of God. Remember, there were no chairs in the temple because there was continual sacrifice. The job of the priest was never completed. And by sitting, it means the job is done. And sitting at the right hand, the Jews knew exactly what that meant. That was only for the Son of God. It was only for Messiah. And so now he sits down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. That's what we're about to read in the book of Revelation coming up. We're going to read that. So 
Jesus is there. He is operating in his, not only his high priest role, but his lawyer role. And he is waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Listen, I'm pretty sure that Jesus wants to get her done too, doesn't he? Because he's Southern. But he doesn't know the day or the hour, only the Father. Because there are still people who are going to come into the kingdom. There are still the Gentiles. The age of the Gentiles is still not yet complete. I don't know how it could not be complete through this last year. God is doing a work inside of people's heart. You know, it's that weeding out. He, he's seeing where people are. Are they really serious with him? Or is going to church just something you did? And we, we actually see that by the, by the statistics and the polling numbers. Sadly, 50% of the millennials will not go back to church. 30% of my generation and 20% of those over 65. So what does that say? That's a pretty big group of people that were just kind of, I don't know, what do you want to do on Sunday? Well, grandma always went to church, and my mom always went to church, and my daddy built that part of the church, so I guess we go to church. Well, now, staying at home has been pretty easy for the last year. I just heard of another huge church in California, and I mean huge, over 10,000 people still not meeting. One of the largest churches in California, still not meeting. What is that doing to that generation? And don't tell me, because next week we're going to get to it, not to forsake the assembly of the body. That's next week. I already told Matt, I'm going to get my rant on. I'm, I'm preparing a week in advance for a rant. Never done that before, but I'm pretty excited. If it says it in the Bible, why don't we just do it? Who cares what man thinks? Not to already start on the rant for next week. This is like the pre-rant. But why is the church suddenly in the last decades got so interested what the world thinks? And we've never been a people that cares what the world thinks of us or likes us. We've been the hated enemy for 2,000 years. Oh, only till just recently. Hmm. Coming soon. For by one offering he is perfected forever those who are being set apart, sanctified. One offering. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us that after he had said this, this is the covenant that I will make with them. That after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds and I will write upon them and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Those two verses are speaking of something still yet future, something that we will see during the tribulation, God dealing with them and then eventually coming into the thousand-year reign. God will put a covenant, and he will write that upon their law, uh, upon their heart. Excuse me. And, and we know that uh, from the last couple of weeks, it says, then they won't go teach their neighbor the things of the Lord because they will all know it. 
When we get to that thousand-year reign in Revelation, Jesus will be sitting on a throne in Jerusalem. The whole world will be able to see it. And if representatives don't come to the temple once a year, it won't reign in their country. Everyone will know about the Lord. Everyone will know and hear. I can't wait to hear those Bible studies. By the way, we have um, perfected bodies at that point. So uh, no Bluetooth headphones, it's just, you know, and then you pick up the signal or something. Uh, very cool, and your batteries won't wear out. So that, that's good. And he says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Their lawlessness, the nation of Israel against their Messiah. Now where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin. Now, there is a debate. I don't know. Uh, we won't get into it now. We may get into it in the book of Revelation. There is a debate whether or not there will be sin sacrifices in the thousand-year reign. There will be other sacrifices, the peace offering, other offerings uh, that are more like barbecue with God and hanging out and have having a fellowship time um, but a lot of people say, well, then there, there is no real need because there he is. Why would you have a sin offering if he's right there in front of you? Notice, that's what verse 18. Now, where there is a remission of these, then there is no longer an offering for sin. So if in the, tribula- uh, the thousand-year reign, he has remembered their sins no more, and he is there, well, there is a good possibility There will no longer be an offering of sacrifices. Well, read ahead. We're going to stop here. No sense of going on because I will save that verse 25 for next week. (laughs) Read ahead the rest of chapter 10. We'll do that, Lord willing, next week. And then the following week, start in, sorry, a slow progress through the heroes of faith. What a Uh, a great section for you guys to read, Hebrews 11. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for you being the high priest of the better things, Lord, not made with man's hands, but outside of time. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. We don't thank you enough that you, part of the Trinity, came into the body of a man to be that lamb to remove the sins of all mankind. And we thank you, Lord, that it was done once and for all, and now, Lord, that you are our advocate, the mediator of the better covenant. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that it was paid for upon the cross. And we, we longingly, Lord, looking for your appearing, to be with you for all eternity to remove these tents that are falling apart and to have no more remembrance of this world. Just you, just the Father and the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, again for our time. In Jesus' name, amen.